You were in a horrible pit. The Lord passed by. He saw you. He lifted you out of your hopelessness. You know this text of Scripture, Psalm 40. And he left you better off than when he found you. His actions toward you gave you a goal in life. Well, we have many goals in our lives, but based on this passage and based on what he did to you, for you, through you, you have a definite goal in your life, and that is to imitate his gospel activity by helping, serving, encouraging, and challenging others. You could say it this way. You want to leave people better off than when you first encountered them. That is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Sometimes people will say, you know, Rick, we we talk about this gospel hyphen lingo in our culture today, and we have been for a long time now, But what does it really mean to be gospel-centered? Well, the gospel is like a multifaceted diamond, and every turn of that diamond you see a new facet that we can employ, imitate, apply to our life. And so one way that we can imitate the gospel, connect the gospel to our everyday lives, is by leaving people better off than when we first found them. I want you to think about that in this podcast. In fact, I titled it just like that with a question. Do you leave folks better off than when you found them? The way Christ has left you better off than when he first found you? Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive is not Life Over Coffee. Those are two different podcasts, two different networks. This Your Daily Drive is where I put article content in audio format so that you can listen on on the go. Life Over Coffee is not so much about our articles, but it's topical things, things that are going on in our lives, questions that people ask me, and it can be all over the map, but always, always pertaining to our sanctification. But this is your daily drive. Now, if you would like to talk to me, I would love to talk with you, and we can do that. If you meet me in cyberspace, go to our big box store in cyberspace, our sanctification center, and as you walk into our big building, you will see resources all over the place. We have videos and podcasts and graphics and articles and books. We have a mastermind training program where you can you can sign up and, and learn the skill of discipleship within your sphere of influence. And so Come to our store and you can ask your questions. Maybe you want to talk about this article here, or perhaps you have something else on your mind. It doesn't matter. We never turn anyone away by the grace of God, but we do have one place where we interact with you, and it's on our forums. And it's free to you, by the way, because our ministry is underwritten by those who support our ministry, and and so you can come and And you can ask your question freely, and we will serve you the best that we can. What I would like for you to do, if you're willing to do this, is that you would share this article or this podcast with a couple of your friends, and this would be a wonderful discussion. 
In fact, you can play back the tape of your life over the past couple of days or a couple of weeks and think about your last few interactions with an individual or with a group of people, and you can ask this question, do you leave folks better off than when you found them? And you can talk about this idea uh, in the context of a couple of friends. Now, I want to make a caveat right at the top of this podcast because when we think about leaving people better off, I, 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 many, many of us have been so inculcated and so influenced by the prosperity gospel in part or by uh, this, uh, I, I call it the grace mistake, where uh, people are so burnt out by legalism that they overcorrect, they oversteer the car, and they have a, a weak view of grace, a sloppy view of grace, where it just it means being nice all the time. And I mean being nice in the sense that we don't confront people. We don't ever confront people. So when I talk about leaving people better off than when you met them, it doesn't mean that you always give them $1,000. It doesn't mean that you always say nice things to them. I'm not making a case for being mean. I'm not making a case for being harsh. I'm making a case for being balanced. Sometimes when Jesus met people, he left everybody better off. Now, whether they felt that way or not, well, that's another story. Think about the rich young ruler. Honestly, he left the rich young ruler better off than when he first found him. Because when he first found him, this man was, he was so ensconced in his materialism and, and his works and all the things that he has done. And he was blind to his own blindness, and Christ gave him the penetrative word. Now, it discomfited him. It made him sad. It sent him away sad. But I would say in that context, in that situation, he left that man better off than when he first met him. And, and that's why I'm giving you this caveat right up front. Because some of us have been so influenced, even though we wouldn't even know it, we wouldn't even say it this way, that we've been so influenced by the prosperity gospel that we can only think of love, 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 and we think about it in such a way that, that we don't get into people's lives and we're not properly biblically intrusive in people's lives because we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to do or say the wrong thing that would be painful. Now, please don't read into that being harsh or unkind to anyone, but we want to be biblically centric. And so leaving a person better off than when you found them sometimes means that you're going to say some hard and difficult things. And I will refer you back to the Gospels. And there are many times when Jesus said hard things to people, even those who were closest to him. Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said those things because he had a true desire to leave him better off, even though it hurt in the, in, in the moment. I remember one of my profs, Wayne Mack, said to us, there were a couple things that Wayne Mack said. Actually, they're tied to each other. One of them, he said, was that uh, Christian counseling is neither Christian nor counseling. If it's done without tears, he was making a case for compassion. And I love that statement from Wayne Mack. And then he also also said that, he said it this way, and then I'll explain it, and just, I'll explain it right after, but he, he said, you can, you can love me now and Hate me later, 
or you can hate me now and love me later. Now, the context of what he was talking about is exactly what I'm sharing with you. Sometimes we Christians can be inhibited from, from saying the things that we need to say, and, and we want to love, 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 and because of that, we have a skewed interpretation of what love is, and because we have this skewed interpretation of what love is, we don't say the thing that we need to say. And by the way, if you counsel that way, they will love you in the moment, as, as Dr. Mack was saying. They will love you right now, but they will hate you later. Imagine the rich young ruler landing in hell, and Jesus did not confront him. He would love Jesus in the moment because Jesus was stroking him and loving him. I put that in quotation marks. But then he lands in hell, and Jesus never spoke the truth to him. And so without making a case of being harsh or unkind, love, love sometimes, and I've described it this way in some of my podcasts, Sometimes love means cutting somebody, and the illustration I'm referring to here was a time that my son had a humongous splinter in his big toe, and we couldn't get it out. And so I called my doctor friend, and I said, my son has a humongous splinter in his big toe, and it's really hurting. And so he said, well, you know, and he came over, and he said, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this will hurt. And he sliced his toe open and got that thing out, and my son was screaming bloody murder. And then he sprayed something on it, and then it calmed down. And within an hour, maybe, my son was playing in the front yard, and he was fine. But it hurt him in the moment. And so when I talk about leaving people better off than when you first found them, sometimes the way you leave them off, you have to cut their toe. Now, counselors especially, those of you who do discipleship, like regularly— you will be in this position often where you'll have to say some hard things to people. But please understand, if you do it with compassion, not you don't, you're not angry with them. You're not being mean about it, but you love them. And because you love them, you cannot back off from the truth that they need to hear in that moment. And so the podcast is, do you leave folks better off than when you first found them? Leaving people better off than when you found them is one way that you can connect the gospel to real life. Connecting the gospel to everyday life is a multifaceted opportunity for the believer. This is just one way. I, I can't get into all the, all the ways uh, to do that in this podcast, and so I just want to devote to this one way. But how to do this does not come naturally because this what we're talking about here, le leaving people better off than when you found them, is a, a spiritual discipline. It requires God's help in your life. It requires the illuminating of the Holy Spirit and the direction of God's Word. O observing and learning from others who are connecting the gospel to the lives of others practically is real. And so here's the third aspect. You not only need the Spirit's illuminations and the guidance of God's Word, but you need to see this in action. You need to see other people doing this. And as you see them do this, it can give you ideas of how you can leave people better off than when you first found them. Now, recently, I had two people illustrate 
what it means to connect the gospel to my everyday life by leaving folks better off after an encounter. I met with my friend Biff. This is a true story, by the way, even though his name is not Biff. He had been walking his son through the concept of leaving people better off after you encounter them, and he told me that part of his parenting strategy was to always leave his son better off after meeting with him. And I thought, wow, now that is a great goal. This He actually incorporates this concept into his parenting. And so he's premeditatively thinking about this as he has an interaction with his son. Now, I would say, and I would be putting words in Bill's mouth right now, but I would say uh, because of of the blessedness of habituation, that if he continues to do this, if, if he continues to have this premeditative thought, eventually it won't even be a thought. It will just be instinctive. It will be kinesthetic. It, it, it would be just, a, just what he does automatically without thinking about it. And that's the upside to habits. When you do something good over and over and over and over again, after a while you don't even think about it anymore. And I I would say that if he continues to make this part of his parenting strategy, he will instinctively just always have that in the forefront of his mind of leaving his son off uh, better off than when he first encountered him. Now, that is an outstanding parenting goal. Now, there's another illustration, and this just happened a few weeks ago. During our speaking consulting tour in Florida, 2019, for those of you who may be listening to this podcast in in the year 3000, this was 2019. Lucia was in a church, Lucia, my wife, was in a church restroom. Think about this where a lady was brushing a tear from her cheek. We're in a church that we had never been in in our lives. Lucia's standing beside a lady that she had never seen in her life. And the Lord nudged Lucia to speak to this lady, but Lucia let it pass. She didn't respond. It's like, I need to say something to this lady. I don't know what's going on in her life, but I need to say something. But she let it pass. She didn't do it. And then shortly afterward, the lady sat near her during the worship service. Lucia knew what she needed to do. And after the church meeting, Lucia approached this stranger. And she told her that she saw her in the restroom with a tear and wanted to encourage her. And thus she did. My friend Scott was standing with me. He's the one that invited us to this church, and we were standing there, and and when the service was over, Lucia, like, boom, went out, went toward this woman, this strange woman, stranger woman. And Scott said, what is she doing? I said, I don't know. I don't know who that woman is. I'm not sure what Lucia is doing, but that's what she was doing, as we found out later. Biff, my friend, always wants to leave his son better off after they interact with each other. Lucia responded to the Spirit's prompting. And when I talk about this, I know this is fuzzy for some people and probably problematic for others. But the Spirit's prompting will always be in line with God's Word. God, the Spirit's not going to prompt you outside of with something that's outside of God's word and she believed that that God wanted her to encourage this person it's not you know if somebody says you know God told me uh, you know to uh, get in your car and to drive you around the block I, I don't uh, that's uh, I, just be careful all of this is subjective 
but God's prompting her to encourage, and encourage is is taught in Scripture, and so there's a symmetry there that everything is working according to God's Word. The Spirit would do that. I I think He would illuminate us to do that, and and Lucia believed that she needed to do that, and there was nothing here that's out of sync with God's Word, and so she wanted to encourage this lady who was struggling. During lunch with our family, I had Lucia share what happened during the church meeting. And then we talked about other times when we listened, and I'm putting that in quotation marks here because people can take that farther than I intend here. But when you listen to the Spirit's illuminations and you engage friends and strangers with a word from the Lord. And let me just say one more time, I know that this exercise is subjective and and sometimes you can be wrong, but my thinking is is that I had rather respond to those things than to let them pass by. Now, Lucia let it pass by in the restroom, but when the lady showed up again, it's like, you know, I just want to encourage this lady and thus thus she did. Our our goal here, your goal, I hope is to imitate the gospel. One of the Christian's goals is to always be on the prowl, looking for ways to connect the gospel to everyday life. And when you hear about what someone is doing, you you want to make a note of that while asking the Lord how you can do similarly. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about codifying something. Every time you see someone cry, you have to do this. That's legalism. I'm not talking about that. But I want you to learn through illustration. Our objective is, is to have a heightened awareness of this kind of gospel-centered thinking and living. Thus, when someone makes a gospel-centered statement, like what Biff did, he always wants to leave his son better off than when he met him or when he encountered him. I want to draw attention to that. I want to thank him for, for making that statement and by seeing how I can apply it to my life. And I want to think about my interactions as well. Biff said, you always want to leave people better off than when you first meet them. And when he said that, my mind did go immediately to the gospel. I mean, think about this. As I said earlier, talking about Psalm 40, God left us better off than when he first met us. He planned to regenerate me. Reading Ephesians chapter 1, his planning included the execution of his son on the cross. And Jesus' act of kindness accomplished my redemption. He left me better off. And according to Biff's worldview, Christ left me better off than when he found me. But Biff was communicating the powerful effect of the gospel on my life. When you are acted upon by Christ, you are inevitably, irresistibly left better off than you were before his engagement with you, we turn this, we talk about this as a gospel, a gospel game, not not as a way of trivializing the gospel because I would never want to do that, but just as a, a, a way to think about it, especially when you're talking about children. For those of you who are parenting, maybe you can play this fun game, this gospel game that you can, well, also with your friends too, Maybe this game can be so woven into the fabric of your daily practical life that it becomes part of who you are as a person. If you play, I'll explain the game in just a moment, but as you you play this game is what I was saying about habituations, that it's a positive habituation, a positive habit in your life. It's not something that you have to think about anymore. It's just something that you do. Here's the game, the gospel game 
See how many people you can bring the practicalized gospel to today by leaving them better off after their encounter with you. Now, I want to give you a few practical suggestions on this, but I want to give you the same caveat I gave you earlier about legalism is that I don't, I don't want you to or codify this. I don't want you to, to do this because these are some of the things that we do, but I want you to think about, you ask God, how, how can you be Jesus to somebody else? That's what we're talking about. And how can that be a habit in your life today? Here are some things that, that we do. As a family, hold the door open for somebody today, whether it's the car door or uh, the door that you're going into a, a restaurant or to a, a building. Uh, we have particularly my son uh, holding the co- door open for his mother and for the girls in the family to honor them and, and, and to cherish them and to serve them. You, you want to open the car door and let them uh, in or a door to a building, and let them in. Just being kind, taking a second position, taking the back seat. Another one is pick up a piece of a paper or trash that you see on the floor. I remember this from 30-something years ago. Uh, my pastor, a old man at that time, I mean really old man, and he was walking down the hall, and he couldn't bend over, and he saw a piece of paper, and he, t- he told somebody, Sonny! Sonny, would you come over? You pick up this piece of paper. And I thought, like, the alertness of, of, of this man, that he saw that. And how many times have you, like in, in a restaurant or some other building that you're in, you see a piece of paper? Well, guess what? Somebody has to come along and pick up that paper. Somebody is always the maintenance people or whoever the people are. I mean, it's their job to do that. What if you did that for them? It's just a simple thing. What about if you buy a meal for someone at a restaurant, like a McDonald's or something? We've had fun times with this over the years as you surprise people with grace. Walk up to a random stranger. The last time was a police officer in, I don't remember the town. And honestly, I don't even remember. It may have been, oh, it was a Wendy's. We were at a Wendy's and our children wanted some ice cream, smoothies, whatever they call them things. And so we went there, and there was a police officer, and so we paid for his meal. You especially want to do that for a police officer and thank them for how they serve. Here's another one. Tell the cashier at a restaurant how grateful you are for their service to you. A fifth one, communicate at least three ways in which you appreciate your spouse. Have you done that today? Say, baby, here, here's, just, just do one way. But I appreciate you because you can do three for extra bonus points. Number six, communicate at least three ways in which you appreciate your child. Start with one if it's not your habit. If this is not your habit, by the way, of encouraging your children, then you have a wonderful leadership opportunity that is in front of you. And so encourage them. Find an evidence of grace in your child's life and and express appreciation for that. And if it's not your habit, maybe they'll look at you cockeyed and wonder what's wrong with you. They may not even receive it because it's not your habit in your life. I mean, that's sad. Sad on you. Sad on your family. But the best way to change your family dynamic is to change. And so if that's not your habit, you can communicate an evidence of grace, something that you see in a, a child's life or a spouse's life. Children, 
You can do this to your parents as well. Dad, thank you so much for, and then fill in the blank, whatever that may be. And then mom, you can do a similar thing to your mom. Number seven, send your spiritual mentor an email expressing gratitude for them. You get the idea here. Send a friend an email expressing your gratitude. Let someone go ahead of you in line at the grocery store, in Walmart. If that happens to be me, please let me go ahead of you in Walmart. Lucia and I have a 20-minute time limit on shopping before we start sending our brains out. We can't shop. God created Amazon for us because we're not mature enough to shop. And so if we are in front of you, let us go in front of you. But how kind is it that you have someone that, that, hey, you go in front of me. You, You always want to do the unexpected in a good kind of way. Jesus was unexpected. He didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us something far better. And you give them what they don't deserve. You deserve this place in line, and I'm in front of you, so it's my turn. Give them something they don't deserve. Surprise them with grace. Take food or a gift to your neighbor. Post an encouraging status on your Facebook page. How weird would that be? Being kind, being Christ, shedding the goodness of God in this volatile, noisy, angry world, social media world in which we live. Say thank you to at least five people. This list that I'm sharing with you is in the article here. Do you leave folks better off than when you found them? You can see this list here, but caveat, caveat, caveat. Don't codify this. Don't make this your list but you ask the Lord how you can be Christ to others, how you can leave others better off. Say thank you to at least five people today. Two of the most powerful words in our language is thank you. Pray for a friend and let them know that you prayed for them. Share the gospel with someone. Ask someone to forgive you for a specific sin that you committed against them. And then finally, In this short, non-exhaustive list that is ours, not yours, hold hands with someone. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is will you add to this list? You add yours. You make your own. You create your own habits. But the big idea that I shared with you earlier with this, this gospel game is that you always want to be on the prowl, on the prowl, looking for ways that you can leave people better off than when you found them. Here's your call to action. Ask the Spirit of God to give you a heightened awareness to those around you. Ask him to give you peripheral vision, not live in that tunnel where you're just looking at your life and looking narrowly and you're just trying to accomplish the goal that is ahead of you. Maybe the goal is not for you to accomplish the goal that you thought you were supposed to accomplish. You're going to the grocery store to get a gallon of milk. That's the goal. That's your goal. Maybe God has another reason for you to go to the grocery store. The Lord has his servants everywhere. Make sure that you're one of his servants when you go. Don't have tunnel vision to the the milk aisle and get the milk and leave. How peripheral vision. My prayer is that my life becomes one long happy trail of people who were better off after meeting me. Think about your last five engagements, whether they happen in the real world or cyberspace. Did you leave them better off after you interacted with them? 
may we never forget what the Lord did for us. Psalm 40, I began with this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to, my, to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Read Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, and think about how God has left you better off than when he first found you. I'm assuming that you are a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, then you need to be left better off than when he first found you. And so he's found you now. He's calling to you. He's appealing to you. Let him lift you up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. Let him set your feet on a rock. Let him make your steps secure. Let him put a new song in your mouth, and you'll be better off than when he first met you. I'll finish with two caveats. I mentioned them in this podcast, but one, confrontation can be one way of leaving a person better off after meeting with you. It might not feel that way, not to them, in the beginning, but one of the most effective ways you can love someone is by compassionately confronting them with whatever it is that they need to be confronted with. The second one, as I talked about listening to the Spirit, is a subjective experience. You will never know with perfect confidence that what you're hearing is from the Lord. And so be very careful how we uh, talk about this and how we act this out uh, in, in our lives and with other people. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Go and leave somebody better off. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.